0: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Josh Delarosa, and we're excited uh, for the next two weeks to be on a theme Of adventure. And so this series is called Adventure Awaits. And when I was a kid, maybe some of you can remember these as well, I read uh, these books right here. These are the Choose Your Own Adventure books. As a book series, there's many of them. And so I had several of these titles when I was growing up. But this one right here is called Journey Under the Sea. And uh, you could see these large sea creatures and some sort of an underwater submarine type of advice. And so obviously, uh, this book is about that journey and and what you might discover under the sea. Now, when I grew up reading these, these worked really well for me because some of you know this, but I have a pretty short attention span. And so what I loved about these books was that they were only a few pages uh, before you had to make a choice. And so it's an interactive book. You'd read a page, like for example, you'd read a page about a dolphin and then all of a sudden it would say, uh, you know, to head down this tunnel, turn to page 87. And then you'd flip to page 87, and the adventure would shift in a different direction. And then you'd read more about uh, the situation, and it would say something like, if you want to turn back from this strange world, turn to page 94. Or, Or if you decide to travel into the next time and space, then turn to page 95. And so you flip over to page 95, and you read that, and then at the end of that, It would give you another option. If you decide to drop out of thought travel and return to Earth Life, then turn to page 110, and so you flip to page 110, and there's all of these different options for this adventure based on what you'd like to do. And sometimes you'd come to the end, and it would say, the end. And so there was multiple endings, multiple possibilities. On the back of the book, it shows you all of these different, you can probably can't see it, but you see all of these different options for uh, what what can happen on this particular adventure, depending on your choices. So, uh, I was often tempted when I was reading those books uh, to sort of peek ahead. <laughs> and if I, okay, let me check out page 116 and see where this is going. And I was tempted to sort of peek ahead even to the end of the book and start reading some of the endings, which would influence my decisions all along the way. Now, if I didn't like where the story was going, I would just sort of, uh, shift gears and, and find some new place in the book, and and now these were a lot of fun for me as a kid. Now, in a similar way, God, he has invited us into an adventure, and he's planned out the adventure. There is adventure that awaits each one of us, and, and he's revealed a good amount of his plan and details about this adventure. And there's definitely some parts where you can peek ahead uh, in the Bible to get to the end of the story and see uh, how things wrap up. In what God has planned. So when it comes to God's adventure. Spoiler alert. God's plan to expand his kingdom is unstoppable. Look at Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. It reads this. This is Jesus speaking and it reads. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now God's kingdom will prevail. His kingdom will advance. It will endure. Nothing at all will block its advance. No one will thwart. No one can sabotage or spoil his plan. No one can mess it up. And now I find great comfort in this point because sometimes the world we're living in or the seasons that we're walking through and personally finding ourselves in can sort of leave us discouraged and wondering what's going to happen next. But then God's truth from his word, anchors us from drifting too far. For some, it's, it's tough not to become jaded and frustrated by the problems in the world around us or the pain in our own lives. But this verse right here about his kingdom prevailing, advancing, is found in a section where Jesus reveals to his disciples that he is their Savior, he is the Messiah. That's a title. And he's come to fulfill God's rescue plan to save people in the world from suffering and eternity without God. Now, Jesus, in his ministry, his identity was constantly in question. Some people had different ideas of, of who he was. So, at one point, he turns to the whole group of, of his disciples, his closest, uh, the 12, and he, he asks them a question. And he, here's the question. This is found in Matthew 16. Let's back up from verse 18 to verse 15. It reads this, But you he asked them, so he speaks to the group of them, the whole group of them, who do you say that I am? Who do you all say that I am? He's speaking to the group. Now verse 16 states, Simon Peter, he answered, now he is one of the leaders of the group, he speaks up for the whole group, and he speaks and he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. That word Messiah means God's anointed one. Now this term, the Messiah, this shows up, all over the old testament some scholars actually believe that there is at least 400 450 even messianic references the references that s- state that the messiah is coming or or at least the idea is referencing the, these messianic prophecies verses that just speak to god's promise to send this character onto the scene into the world to save and to deliver god's people and simon peter is saying I think you're the Messiah. I think you're him. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one who will usher in God's kingdom here and now. Bingo, Peter. You got it right. Verse 17 reads this. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. That was his dad's name. uh, Because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You didn't get this on your own, Peter. No. This wasn't something you just came up with. He says, But my Father in heaven. Essentially... God revealed this to Peter. Some people reject this. Some people, and Jesus is just highlighting, that for anyone to see this and believe this, that he is the Messiah, God actually had to open up their spiritual eyes. And so, Peter, God has revealed this to you. And then verse 18, I'm going to read it again, started with this. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not, Overpower it. So he's speaking to Peter. He responds to Peter and he says, "Peter," uh, and Peter's name in Greek is the word Petrus. Okay, Petrus. Peter, you are, you are Peter. Now, uh, the word Petrus—it's a stone. It's a small rock. Here's a picture of a small stone. But then he makes this interesting uh, statement. And on this rock, I will build my church. Some people would say, "You see, Peter was the founder of the church," but. He uses two different Greek words here. For Peter, the word is Petros. But he says, and on this rock, and he uses the term Petra, which is Greek for solid bedrock, huge bedrock that you could support structures on. You could support houses on, buildings on. Bedrock. So there's a distinction between Peter's name and this word for the rock. So the stone, Peter, the rock, the bedrock. On this rock, I will build my church in the gates of Hades, the grave, the place of the dead, will not overpower it. In other words, death is not the end. Now, Jesus is referencing that he is the bedrock the church is being built upon. And the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the, gates, you know, the grave will not overpower it. Death isn't the end. God's plan to expand his kingdom is unstoppable. Jesus is saying, I'm ushering in the kingdom. And Jesus takes responsibility. He's saying, I am the rock and I will build my church. Now, why does this matter so much? Why is this so important? It's because eternity, your eternity, people's eternities hang in the balance. When people respond to Jesus and receive his rescue, they shift from death to life. Though each one of us will die and face the grave, death is not the end. Spiritually in Christ, the one who believes in Jesus goes from death to life, is raised to, to new life spiritually for all eternity. Look at this promise, John eleven, verse twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Did you know that if you receive Christ as Savior and confessed him as your Lord, he has unlocked the chains of your grave. Your eternity is secure in him. Your destination is set. It's set for heaven and God's spirit comes to indwell comes to live inside the believer, the Christ follower, that very moment eternal life begins right then and there. You know, I had a conversation this past week and and I was talking to a husband and a wife who had become Christians in our church about 5 years ago and they told me, "We wish it had happened sooner. I wish I had known this sooner because Uh, The wife was reflecting on when she first became a Christian. She was so excited to tell others about Jesus because she just wanted others to know this news. Because she's thinking, if I had only known this sooner, that would have been uh, the opportunity uh, to uh, avoid some things, to to shift from some of the pain uh, earlier on in life. Because there's this joy of telling people about Jesus and that begins to flow out of a person because once you've experienced this and it really you grasp this, then you realize the more people need to experience what you've experienced. This is a this is a hope that you now have. Now, since God's kingdom is expanding in an unstoppable way, this means that none of this is dependent on our participation. You see, this adventure right here, it goes on. With or without us, we can read what's going to happen at the end of the book. We, we can learn about this story for ourselves. We can learn about what God is doing through history. But this adventure this adventure, is not tied or dependent on our actions. It goes on with or without us. But through Jesus, he has written us into the story. He's sending out an invitation to step into this adventure of building his kingdom. Now, Christ's followers have been invited to participate in a crucial way. You've been invited to participate. Let's look at one of the main commissioning moments with Jesus. Right after his resurrection with a group of his followers in the first century. This is known as the great commission of the church. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. So the end of, of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the uh, New Testament. The second division in the Bible. This is where Jesus specifically sends his followers out to live on mission. Take a look. Matthew 28 verse Nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go starts with this word go. Uh, this Greek word is a participle. It's it's a verbal adjective. So it's sort of like as you are going. Uh, we we live life on the go. We live life on the move. And so as you're going through life, therefore, you're to make disciples. This is our mission: make disciples. What's a disciple? It's it's a learner. It's it's a pupil. It's a student. It's it's a follower. So make disciples of Jesus. As you're going through your life, make disciples. This right here is our mission. It goes on, from among whom? It says, of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. God is not after any one nation, but all nations of the world. Wow, even people, even people from nations that you and I might be so hesitant to visit and share with. God's kingdom will advance into all nations and people groups in the world. It goes on, baptizing them. So this is what you do with a with a disciple. You baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So baptism, what is this? It's a key idea. It's this identifying mark uh, of his disciples. And so you probably, maybe you've seen a baptism. People go, uh, they go under water and they come up out of the water. And it's a symbol. It's but it's an identifying mark of people who identify themselves as Christ followers. And they're identifying themselves with the death going under the water is a symbolism of the death to the old me, the old person coming up out of the water. So the death, the burial, and the resurrection coming up out of the water is this picture of the new life I have in Christ. So people who've been baptized go public. They're not ashamed, essentially, to identify with Christ Jesus before a group of people. They go public. Then verse 20, teaching them, this is again what you do with the disciples, you make you make disciples of all nations, you baptize them and then verse twenty, teaching them to obey or to observe everything I have commanded you. This phrase right here has challenged me all my life. I remember first reading this idea and it sort of messed it kind of messed me messed with me early on and it continues to mess with me. Wow, Jesus, as your follower, you're asking me to to observe to learn your ways and observe your commands. It's not suggestions of Jesus, but there's the commands of Jesus that I have to figure out how I'm going to get those into my life to observe them. I need to keep learning his commands. I need to keep observing them. And if you're a Christ follower, then then so do you. This is the great commission. Make disciples. As you're going through your life, as you're going, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything Christ commands. And then he says this at the very end. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is a promise. You know, I know Jesus says it's going to be dark, it's going to be scary, it's going to sometimes be painful, it's going to be difficult. And this was very true for those first century Christians who endured so much opposition and persecution when the whole world was running in a different direction. And this group, this movement of Christ followers, was so tall and small, uh, small and tiny. Jesus saying, look, I know it's going to be difficult. I know you're going to feel alone, but I want you to know you're never alone. I'm I'm here. I'm always going to be with you. He makes this promise to us, to his followers. And this commissioning is our invitation to participate here and now. But specifically, how do you do that? Here's some specific ways to participate. First, by helping the church advance God's kingdom. Will you partner? Will you commit to work with the church that God has placed you in to bring in His kingdom, don't don't just try through your life to advance your own agenda, but actually join in with others and what God is doing through local churches that preach Jesus and teach people to learn the Bible and learn to live out the Bible. Don't just try to do your own thing. Don't be a maverick in that way. You know, America has more floating Christians than any other country, but the New Testament, as you read the Bible, uh, didn't have as many churches. Per city, there was usually just one church, one Christian church in the city. And so, there just weren't many Christians, as many Christians, so they were easy to identify the Christians. They were a part of the church in this or that town. Nowadays, here, especially in the U.S., you have hundreds of churches in cities our size, hundreds of churches. So, it's sort of easy to sort of, just sort of float around and it makes it tempting to to do this. It makes it tempting to sort of approach your faith like the choose your own adventure book series. But I would encourage you just just don't do that. Don't stay there. It's you know, I understand that that you are looking for a church where you can connect and get involved and grow. Once you find that, don't just stay in this floating place instead. Commit commit and invest in what God is doing there. Uh, be a part of it. Make a commitment. Help the church Advance God's kingdom. Another way to do this, to participate, is to engage in personal evangelism. This is another way that you're helping to advance God's kingdom. You personally have an opportunity, individually. You know, it can seem mundane in your life, mundane at home, at work, in your community, but you have an opportunity to share Christ with others. So look around. Share how Jesus has has saved you. Share how he's changed your life. If he has made changes in you, you've responded to his commands. You've been trying to figure out how to learn and, and observe his, his commands. Start sharing that with others. Share it with those who live with you. First, you know, start in your home. Start with those roommates, the family members. And then at work. And then look around in your community. Peter one of Jesus' followers. We looked at uh, those statements from him and his interaction with Jesus earlier. He wrote this much later. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 reads, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So you see, each one of us has a personal, individual opportunity that is different because of where God has placed each one of us. Your situation is different than mine, but we all have opportunities—individual opportunities—to engage in personal evangelism with others, sharing what, the difference that God has made in us, and helping people connect with God through His Son Jesus. Now, one other aspect of this adventure that I want to really touch on this week, and then also next week, is this one right here: is to consider my role in church planting. You see, God. He's advancing his kingdom through new churches sprouting up in cities and in regions to bring the message of Christ to all people of all nations through church planting. Now, we planted this church, Orange Orangegrass or OCC, back in 2007. A small team of us moved out here. There was 12 of us on the team uh, with, with kids and all, the 12 total. Started in a living room, then a middle school, and then Uh, in a community center that we've been at. Now, this has been for me, and I'd say for this whole team, really one of the greatest adventures, for me certainly, the greatest adventure of my life. Just what a joy to have seen this, uh, to see God at work in the life of this church. But this idea didn't just originate only in my heart, or even just in the mind of our sending church, uh, where we came from. But this idea of church planting dates way back further Uh, to a pattern that began in the first century where kingdom-minded churches raise up people to plant new churches. And I want to take you to the book of Acts. Just real quickly, Acts chapter 13, take a look at the church of Antioch. This is the first example of a kingdom-minded church that is raising up and intentionally sending people out to plant new churches. Look at Acts 13, verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, here's a map for you just to see. Uh, you see this city here where there's arrows uh, originating from this city uh, where church planting teams were going out to spread Jesus uh, to the surrounding uh, cities and even countries and regions. So it says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. So this one church, Uh, had a a number of leaders, and he starts naming the leaders, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manet, and a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. These were different leaders. These are people who were, it was a diverse body. We've looked at this before, this passage before. is a very diverse culturally, diverse church. Uh, But these are people who are known. Uh, That's why they're named. They were known in the body. They were connected in the body. They were friends of people in the body, meaning the body of Christ, the church in Antioch, uh, the church is referred to in the Bible sometimes as the body. That's the metaphor sometimes used of the body where there's different parts that we play. But this group, this was made up of, of relationships. There's friendships. There's stories. There's history that people have. And so these individual members are named right here. Well, a certain point says, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them so as they were praying and worshiping there was a sense in which God began to call out a group of people from within this church that he was preparing to go on mission so they were instructed to do that verse 3 says then after they had fasted prayed and laid hands on them they sent them off Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. They landed on an island. We've looked at this in some previous series. But this team of church planters, Saul, uh, a.k.a. Paul, also known as Paul, and a man named Barnabas, along with a guy named John Mark, who was uh, an assistant that also was on the journey with them. Uh, they, they go out as a team on a journey, a church planting journey to share Jesus in first an island and some towns on that island, and then up into Asia Minor, and just beginning to move through what is now known as Turkey. And the gospel is spreading as churches, as people are hearing about Christ, responding to Christ, and churches are being formed. Now, this first journey of this first pioneer missionary team lasted about 18 months, and then you can le- read about this later if you look at the very next chapter, Acts chapter 14. Uh, this small team comes back to the church of Antioch, where they They were sent out and they report on their adventure. But but this church was known for its sending power. It had a deep bench. It had a group of people that were training, raising up. And this was a launchpad church that many people nowadays look to as an example for what God wants in a healthy church. See, this church really leads us to an aspect of participation in this adventure. In that we've been invited to sacrifice for others to know Christ. You see, it's a sacrifice to start churches. Uh, church planting calls people to sacrifice something, to give up people, to open up our hands and say, we're willing to send out good people, people we love, people that are friends, people that we have history with, people that we've, we've uh, enjoyed life with, people we've cried with, pe- people that we've maybe raised children with or seen and come alongside them in their family life and seen them raise their kids and... And there's this sacrifice side to what we're doing, but it's modeled after Jesus' way of living and certainly his attitude of sacrifice. So, this is a call. Christ followers are called to sacrifice for others to know Christ. Church planting will, will sort of push on this area in our church and in our individual lives. So, look at the principle found in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Uh, Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, he writes, or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Think about this in terms of people who need to hear this message, the message of Jesus. You know, it's great that we've heard the message of Jesus, and we're able to worship together and celebrate him and and grow in our faith here in our church in Riverside. And Paul's saying, hey, don't just think of your own selves. In humility, lower yourselves. Consider others As more important than yourselves. Think about the fact that other people need to hear this message. There's this need that they have. Verse 4 reads Everyone should look not only or not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. So God's heart for the whole world challenges us to stretch beyond our own little world, our own little city, our own church. But this calls us to sacrifice. And so church planting means. There is going to be um, some pain involved in that. Because saying goodbye is painful. There's birth pains. There's birth pains for churches who launch churches. And so, saying goodbye. I remember when we launched our first church in 2020. Uh, it was so painful to say goodbye to dear friends. We miss them. We miss their family. We miss seeing their little kids grow up. Um, and then and then things change. Uh, when we send out people, we send out people who've been trained and vetted and we send out people many times leaders people have led here and then it leaves a hole uh, in our body here which provides an opportunity for others to step in to meet those needs but then also the churches that we send out lord willing they grow up they become mature themselves and they won't need us as much which is a good thing but it's hard it's hard but we sacrifice. We send resources. I've often heard it said that related to church planting, starting new churches, it's really tough for a church to, to plant their first church, to start a new church out of, uh, of an existing church. It's hard. It's sort of like getting the first pickle out of the jar. And I, I, I'm sure you've – I don't know if you're a pickle lover, but I, I enjoy pickles on sandwiches and burgers. But getting like a big dill pickle out of a jar is it's not an easy task. And so getting the uh, first pickle out is the is the most important thing. You can't get the others out until you get the first one out. Once you do that, then the other pickles sort of move around. You can get your hand in there and pull other pickles out of there. But I've heard people talk about church planting, that once the first pickle is out, meaning the first church has launched, the others come out more easily and more easily. And that's true. I, I really think that... that our first church plant provided a pattern that then others could see. And, Lord willing, God uses to call more people to plant churches. Now, there's no birth of churches that comes without cost. I mean, even even just physical, biological birth. I've never heard of a pregnancy, labor, and delivery story or an experience that just felt great. I don't generally hear about, this was the greatest experience that I've ever had. No, they're, they're painful birth experiences, and that is true for church planting as well. Now, God has called me here. I love being your pastor, and I've never sensed God asking me to move on like the Apostle Paul. You read about Paul's journeys, and he's he's in a place for months or, or even you know, not more than a couple of years, and then he'd move on to a new city, and he was a true sequential church planter, and there are some pastors who do that, sequential or serial. They just move on, church planters. In fact, uh, a good friend of mine will be here next week, and this is what his life has looked like. He's a sequential church planter. John and Diane Wooster uh, have planted eight churches in their lifetime directly. That's amazing. Uh, God didn't. He's not asked me to do that, but God specifically called him to 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 move on, and in and, and eight different churches through his life, he was able to to uh, to start and then raise up leaders and then move on to the next church. Uh John and Diane raised four sons, they're four grown sons that that live in different places. They all still walk with Jesus. Uh the kingdom of God is a priority for them. Some of them are serving um even overseas. Uh, but they all have families of their own and so but you're going to hear next week specifically about the specific call of a church planter and even what what does it mean to be on a launch team? I've asked John to come and cover that next week. Uh, you know, and I, I'm a pastor who, we founded the church in 2007, and really from the start, our plan was to come here and to lay our lives down here, to raise up leaders here, and maybe to see some churches come out of this church. And in our situation with universities all around us, I get more and more excited about and eager to learn more and more about how, how to become a strong, long-term launch pad. You look at these rocket ships and shuttles it takes it takes this as massive infrastructure and base in order to launch shuttles into outer space and the same is true for churches how, how do you build churches that can withstand multiple launches and stay healthy through the years uh, I want to understand that more we've only launched one church but you know I, I've gotten really excited about what that has Uh, meant for us and what that's looked like, but how can we launch and launch and launch without becoming worn down like this? You could just see the fatigue. (laughs) Well, I I think God wants us to remain excited and intentional about launching churches through the years. Kind of like this picture right here. How do you stay motivated and intentionally excited to launch, to raise up and train and send out? In many ways, this has been... Uh, very much the focus of our church uh, for at least the past 10 years now. How do we train more people uh, to support church planting through the life of our church? And in many ways, we're just getting started with this part of the adventure. And I love the role. For those of us that God has called to be here and to build out our launch pad and to strengthen, be the infrastructure that can launch healthy churches through the years, we're excited and eager to partner year after year to see more churches come out of this one. Right now, for example, we have 17 people in Guatemala. Uh, here's a picture of the group from the night, a few nights before they left. Uh, they're there in Guatemala helping a, a church planting network. We sent this team to strengthen church planting in another country because we care. Here's a picture of the pastor and his wife. We hope that our team and our church would be coming alongside churches that are being launched all over the place is just one example. What a joy to be part of that. We've also been able to partner with uh, Ridgeview Church, a church that we partnered with our sending church to help start. Primarily, Church in the Valley sent the team out to to get it started, but we were able to come alongside with small mission teams and financial resources and encouragement. And now that church is rolling and growing and reaching people for Jesus. And some of you had an opportunity to, to serve some of their events. And then in 2020... We directly planted Valley Lights Church in Santa Clarita. This is what I mentioned earlier. In 2020, June 2020, we sent them out. And just a few weeks ago, if you can believe it, Valley Lights Church hit two years since we sent out their launch team. And here's a video from Pastor Bruce Wood highlighting uh, what we've been a part of. So take a look.
0: Hey, OCC. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor of Valley Lights Church we're at the church that you guys sent out two years ago this is a fun opportunity for me just to give you a little update about where we're at there's been a lot of learning in the past two years and one of the big ways that uh one of the big takeaways for me is i've really seen how intricately involved god is in all the details of our lives and of the church as a church we've met in a lot of different locations throughout town and every time we've moved it has been for a reason god is allowed us to meet people at key moments in their life. Down to you know, It took us months to find a place to live, but down to the very street that we live on and the neighbors across from us and for the others on our team, it has been so clear that God has planned long ago for specific people to meet us at very specific times. And a lot of life changes has been happening and eternities have been changed because of it. It's really easy to be stressed out about the details. And it does take a lot of hard work for, um, to do planning and decision-making. And leading that is really hard but in the difficulty and the stress of that God is actually the one at work and it has been really exciting that really my faith has deepened tremendously in this process because I've seen God is so evidently at work there's uh, been quite a few people that have partnered with us over these past two years groups and churches but there is nobody who has given quite as much as you. OCC has been our largest financial backer. You also sent people. You gave us a launch team, which those people, those leaders are of far greater worth than any dollar amounts. And God has built some pretty amazing things on the service and the sacrifice of of the people that you gave us. I'm, I'm so grateful. You've also given a tremendous amount of encouragement to us. You've been present to help us out with events. Flyers and advertising or you know many of you have even babysat our kids recently and there's so many ways that I'm I'm actually really glad the distance isn't too far it's drivable and manageable and you've been able to continually provide support for us uh, in ways that we really need it you know OCC all of you sitting there you there's there's probably a variety of investment levels for each of you and at church right now but truthfully OCC is a pretty unified body and very generous very mission-oriented group of people and so whether your exact involvement has been a lot or a little as a whole group you guys have invested very deeply and very sacrificially, and you have allowed God's kingdom to expand here in Santa Clarita and I know that there's already plans in at work for OCC to expand there in Riverside and far beyond Riverside and i'm so encouraged to have a legacy where we're coming from a church that is so kingdom oriented and kingdom focused and so thank you for your investment
1: Now for those of you who stay here at this launch pad, you're a part of OCC, uh, we, we're so glad that you are. You play a crucial role. We're not trying to force everyone or send everyone out, but We really believe all of us get to be a part of the adventure. Every single person can join in the process of seeing God's kingdom advance in an unstoppable way. You're a part of the process. You might think, well, I'm not a church planter or or I don't think I'm really going to be on a launch team. What does this really have to do with me? Well, as a sending church, we're able to support new churches as they're becoming healthy and self-sustaining. And this is through prayer. This is through encouragement to those who've left. This is through the way we give and a portion of that goes to support financially the churches that are being started. This is through sending short-term teams to strengthen, whether it's us going in to help with an outreach like a block party or a movie night or a sports camp or to help with a kids program. You know, whatever role you play, I want you to know adventure awaits. Whether as a crucial part of this sending church, which many of you, Um, you know, I'll be excited to to grow old and gray together with many of you seeing more churches planted. Or maybe some of you, God's role for you is he's going to call you out. He's maybe raising you up and training you. Maybe you're a future church planter or maybe a future launch team member. But here's some next steps. Would you consider what is your role in expanding God's kingdom? What is your role? As we've been looking at this, what do you think God is saying to you? Second, Maybe maybe some of you know the team, Valley Lights Church. Maybe you're close to some of those friends that we sacrificed and said goodbye to and released. Maybe a step you could take is write a note of encouragement to them at Valley Lights Church. Third, I would encourage you to deepen your commitment to this sending church. I think God has positioned us in a strategic city to make a huge difference in our state and around the world. And so... How can you help us? How can you deepen your commitment at this season of your life and not wait until conditions change for you by just recognizing God has called you into an adventure and he's invited you to participate personally? I hope you will. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the adventure you've invited us to be a part of. Thank you for uh, the work you're doing in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to earth to rescue us and to unlock the 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 chains that held us in our graves, Lord, and even just that prevented us from from knowing you because of our sin, and so Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to, uh, to, to to die in our place to pay our penalty, uh, that we could know you and walk with you, Lord God. I pray for each person walking. Help us not, uh, help us not to uh, miss the opportunity to join what you're doing in this great adventure, God, that you called us to be a part of. So start
0: Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at OCCathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.